So the O is silent. It's Westner. Westner. Yep. Just Westner. Yeah. So why did they put that O in? It screwed up everyone for you since childhood. I know. Stupid Germans. Seriously, I have heard so many creative variations. It's Wozner, Woesner, Wozner, Wiesner. Uh, my favorite is Wussner. I'm like, seriously, how did you put a U in there? So <laughs> nobody ever gets it right. I've thought about changing it many times. Well, you shouldn't change it, but you should yeah. change it. thanks for sort of not giving me a complex there (laughs) welcome to marketing mistakes and how to avoid them here's your host stacy jones today's guest is someone that i'm so pleased to be speaking with and i want to give a very warm welcome to stephen wessner stephen is host of the onward nation podcast ceo of predictive roi and a digital marketing authority speaker educator and best-selling author of three books the Small Business Owner's Handbook to Search Engine Optimization, and Increase Online Sales Through Viral Social Networking, and what may have become my team's literal Bible of late, Profitable Podcasting, Grow Your Business, Expand Your Platform, and Build a Nation of True Fans. An awesome book, and if you have interest in podcasting, one you should rush to buy. I first met Stephen through an agency owner group that we both belong to and have had the chance to learn so much from him. Stephen has been absolutely instrumental in my turning our marketing mistakes and how to avoid them podcast into one where we now also interview specialists who can provide awesome insights to our listeners. While Stephen's company specializes in all things digital marketing, one of the areas of his business that I am most impressed with is the division he's built around creating owned branded content, where he and his team help B2B marketers create turnkey podcast programs to leverage as a marketing tool. Stephen leveraged his own knowledge of building a daily podcast where he has, and get this, as of today, 827 podcasts published to date. That's a lot of podcasts. Plus, Stephen happens to be one of the most positive people I know, which means just being around him is an absolute pleasure, what you are about to discover for yourself. I wanted Stephen to join our Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them podcast today to specifically talk about his experience in hosting, as well as building podcasts for businesses, as there's probably not a better expert out there to provide you with the knowledge of how to get started and give additional information on what his advice is for companies who are interested in leveraging this fantastic marketing practice for their own brands and agencies. There's a lot involved in creating a weekly podcast, and there are a lot of mistakes you can make that Stephen's experience and advice can help protect you from. Stephen, welcome. Well, thank you very much for the invitation, my friend. It's a joy and pleasure always to spend time with you. And, uh, and, and thanks for inviting me here. This is going to be a lot of fun. Of course. Well, so happy to have you again. Uh, you have quite the background in digital marketing, and you've been doing this for the last 20 years. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you got started in this field, how you got involved in general, where it actually led to you to becoming an everyday podcaster for your business, as well as creating podcasts for other people too? Uh, As far as digital, I mean, that that goes way back, you know, before the advent of the commercial internet. So we're talking early 90s. And, um, you know, I, I, I got to start in an agency in, in Rapid City, South Dakota, as, as doing an internship when I was still on active duty in the United States Air Force. And, and, and after that internship was, was done, I became a full-time member of their team. And I've just always been interested in computers and networking and, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, not, not a uh, maybe through and through geek, but kind of geeky. Um, and then, and then came the mid nineties and my wife and I, we moved to Wisconsin and I joined an agency there and, 
And, you know, we built one of the first, one of the first websites in La Crosse, Wisconsin, if you can believe that. And that was 1994. And, and I sort of was hooked. I'm like, Hey, this internet thing, this is kind of awesome. And then once I saw the homepage for Amazon, I'm like, holy bananas, this is going to be really, really interesting for, you know, how companies do business and, you know, relationships and all of that. And so then that's sort of started a 20, 25 year career in digital uh, at several agencies and, you know, my own companies and and whatnot. So I just kind of fell in love with the uh, develop a community, um, build a voice around that that's helpful um, and being helpful to your community. And when you do that, they want to support you. They, they want to do business with you in, in whatever shape or form. Um, how the podcast came about, how Onward Nation started, you know, I would love to say that it was like this fanciful thing. We had this strategy for a while and, and then we decided to execute on it. And boy, was it flawless and blah, blah, blah. But as you and I both know, I mean, this is about, you know, marketing mistakes and how to avoid them and what are the pitfalls. And, and the reality was, is we were doing a really poor job of building our sales, our lead and sales pipeline at predictive ROI. So it was the spring of 2015. We had lost one of our largest clients. And here I am, you know, Jeepers, the business is overstaffed. What are we going to do? We don't have enough revenue to support the team. Um, and, and so I got frustrated in May of 2015 and said, gosh, darn it, we're going to launch a daily podcast. I'm going to interview the best business owners on the planet. We're going to call it Onward Nation. And it's just going to be awesome. It's going to be so awesome that people are going to listen to it. And then they're just going to call us to do business with us. I'm sure um, your really, team was like, holy hell, what is he doing to us? <laughs> that's to put it nicely. Uh, and, and, and clearly that's not a strategy, right? But, but that was sort of what I thought was the strategy. And thankfully, a couple of months after Onward Nation was launched, uh, we had a couple of guests come to us and say, hey, uh, could you do that for me? And I'm like, do what for you? And they're like, oh, for Pete's sake, seriously, could you build a podcast for my business? And like the typical entrepreneur would say, uh, yes, we can. Absolutely. Uh, how much do we charge for that? I don't know. Um, anyway, so we did that. And, and then a few months later, that one of those business owners came back to me and said, um, you know, the show you built for me is awesome. Onward Nation is awesome. Why in the world are you not doing this for more business owners? And I said, I have no idea. Like, who? Who would we do this for? He's like, seriously, you got this guest list. Get out there and sell it to them. And so I did. And in uh, six weeks, we sold $224,000 worth of podcast-related services. And I said, holy bananas, I think we're onto something. Um, and we haven't looked back ever since. That is fantastic. And mm -hmm. how do you do it? You have, I mean, every day you have podcasts that are coming out. That is just a tremendous number of hours spent talking to other people and learning, which is fantastic. But mm -hmm. that's just a tremendous amount of hours. It, it, it is, but I mean, one of the things that I love are systems, everything back from my military days. I mean, I worked on systems, technical systems. I worked in nuclear missile silos. Everything had a process and a flow and a structure and a, everything had a place where it needed to be. And we've kind of built a business that works like that, you know? Um, and so we give the impression that the only thing I'm doing is because we're putting out so much stuff. The only thing that I'm doing is sitting behind the microphone and doing interviews. When the reality is, is that Tuesday mornings, I record three interviews back to back and I'm done. 
and or or maybe it's a Tuesday afternoon. I might record a fourth or whatever. And we're so far out in our schedule. We're actually scheduled out four months in advance. Mm-hmm. I've got two months of inventory recorded and in the can. So if I want to take two weeks off, no big deal. So it's it's about being really really strategic and being kind of disciplined on a single day, and and, and it's possible to get ahead and and it not be that much of a burden. That's fantastic. So. In your book, and from talking to you, and from listening to you speak, (laughs) you have always called podcasts a Trojan horse to marketing. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and how you see podcasts as a B2B marketing tool? So going back to the $224,000 that November in 2015, um, I sent out, so when uh, actually our mutual friend, Drew McClellan, is the one who gave me this idea. And he said, he goes, seriously, you need to reach back out to guests who own businesses, who have been guests, obviously, on your show. And, you know, they like to guest on podcasts. Maybe they'd like to have their own. I'm like, huh, okay. So I did that. And, and then it made me think, well, the reason why I have that at bat for that conversation is because I have some degree of relationship. Now, I didn't invite them on the show like, you know, I'm, I'm going to try and sell Stacy something, right? It was, but, but I invited her on the show. She said yes to me because now I had an audience. I was a media channel. I was no longer an agency owner looking for a new client. I was a media channel who represented an audience that she wanted to influence. Um, and, and so then it was like this great door opener. Where, where a business owner or executive is normally blocked off. They've got a gatekeeper, high city walls. How are you going to get past? You get thwarted if you're a salesperson. But if Stacy Jones were to send out an invitation to, um, you know, Sarah Smith and say, I'd like for you to be on a guest on my show. Sarah says yes, because Stacy represents an audience that hopefully is a good fit for Sarah. Sure. The defenses are down. The gatekeeper is down. It is now a media opportunity. Now you have a 60 minute one-on-one conversation with an ideal prospect. And then it's really important to make sure that the business owner doesn't say, okay, we're done recording. Say, here's the capabilities presentation for <laughs> Hollywood branded. That would feel really schmutzy. Right. But if, if now Stacy features Sarah in an ebook, in a blog, in an Instagram, in a Facebook campaign, in a LinkedIn long form post, in an email campaign, over a series of couple of months, highlighting Sarah's insights and wisdom, genuinely highlighting the wisdom that Sarah shared, now when Stacy reaches back out a couple months later and says, hey, when you were on the show, you mentioned X. And you know what? That got my team and I at Hollywood Branding thinking about why. And you know what? We do why really, really well here. Can we have lunch next week and we can chat a little bit more about how I think we might be able to be helpful to you? Sarah says, um, yes, please. And, and, and not because I was a great sales pitch, but because you invested in context and relationship first. And now it feels really good. It doesn't feel like biz dev at all. That's the Trojan horse. Right. It's so much better than having to pick up the phone and cold call someone and oh. say, let me explain what we do. How can we help you? We don't know your problems at all, but I'm going to say that I do. Let me give you our capabilities presentation. Isn't this a really interesting 54 slide slide deck? Yes. Ah. Yes. Ah. No. 
So how, you know, I just mentioned it as a B2B marketing tool, and I know that's kind of your specialty uh, from our conversations, but how about brands who are using podcasts more for B2C marketing, trying to hit that consumer target? Is there really a difference in structuring and building and creating that podcast? Uh, from a technical perspective, uh, creating the show, no. I think the, the context of content does need to change because then really what the brand is, is focused on is, is building community and how they add value to the community through every piece of content that's shared. So then it might be, um, you know, let's say that a, that a B2C brand was all about um, the family or, you know, like being able to support the family and, and whatever their consumer packaged goods products were, for example. Mm-hmm. Well, so then maybe the strategy for them is to have other thought leaders or experts about parenting or, you know, whatever uh, other issues that a family would care about. Maybe it's health, sure. maybe it's whatever. And, and then, you know, building a community a- around that. S- similarly to like what Johnson & Johnson has done with babycenter.com. Mm-hmm. They've built a community around that. And now they know that if moms needs, need, if moms need a resource, they go to babycenter.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's similar to that. And, and then, Um, So it's not necessarily Trojan horse, but it is absolutely about building a community and being super helpful with that. And then that can still be branded content. There still could be calls to action for whatever uh, those maybe online conversions might be. So the strategy is different from a functional technical perspective. It's still the same. Okay. And again, it's just all about building engagement as well within that community and giving someone something that's of value that they feel that it's worth their time tuning in, listening to, because the takeaway is going to be that great. Exactly. Very, very well said. I think that audiences are consuming such a high amount of this content, one, because it's super mobile, Mm -hmm. listen to it while you're walking the dog, working out, whatever, as opposed to like a YouTube video. Not not the video is bad. That's certainly not the case at all. So I don't want to give that impression. Um, But it is all about the host being helpful with his or her community and developing relationship. I mean, like I hear our clients hosting or so when I, when I go to our clients events, a client is hosting an event and I attend, that's the way I should say it. And, and the attendees might be people that the, that our client has never, ever met in person Mm -hmm. before that event. And I hear their prospects or customers come in and say, you are exactly the person who I thought you were. I'm like, oh my gosh, I've been listening to you for the last two years. You've been in my ears when I walk my dog and oh my gosh, it's such a pleasure to meet you. What? It's awesome. Every marketer like would fall over the, for them or right. fall over themselves for that kind of reaction. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and as your audience grows, it's interesting to have people say, oh, I heard you. <laughs> ah, this is what I thought about it. You made a good point. And it's, it's interesting to be able to extend that conversation um, deeper than your active sales conversations and client conversations that you're having. And so easy to just say, you know, hey, this might be, you know, even when you're in the sales mode, this is a podcast that I recently did that I think you actually might learn something from. It expands, it expands, I can't talk, it expands what we're you know, discussing in your issue into a deeper level. And all of a sudden you have a secondary takeaway. That's fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah. So running a podcast, it takes 
some considerable effort. It's not something that you just wake up and you start doing or you do and then you have a lot that you have to fix of the mistakes. You know, and I think I've done a lot of fixing. You said you've done a lot of fixing. I think you've hit perfection by now at 827. Um, But what are some of the most important things that a business needs to know before they even start? And what is the actual commitment and time and resources that they need to plan for? Okay. Um, So I want to actually flip my answer. And and what I mean by that is, um, so time, I I think it's, I think it's reasonably depending upon how you dial in the system. And if you have a a supporting kind of cast of characters, a supporting Mm -hmm. team that can help. I think for the host itself uh, or himself or herself, it's, it's about five to six hours a month if you're doing a weekly show. That's the assumption of, you know, you record and turn that over to uh, somebody on your team to do everything else downstream. Mm-hmm. If somebody's trying to do that themselves, I think it's, I think it's reasonably uh, about 15 hours, 10 to 15 hours per episode if somebody's trying to do that themselves, which I, I certainly don't suggest. Uh, a business owner do that not because he or she has other more valuable priorities to building and scaling the business. And it's not about the production of the podcast. Sure. I mean, They're hourly rate. It just doesn't even make sense. If It does not. Yeah, it does not. Um, as far as the, uh, so, so that's um, probably a reasonable time estimate mm-hmm. as far as the most important thing. And, and this might be surprising to your listeners. In, in my opinion, it's not, the, the technical, it's not about, um, you know, the, all the components on the back end or how to edit audio or making sure that the sound is great or the microphone and blah, 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 that kind of stuff. It's not that it's actually going back to something that you said a little bit ago. And that is how can you be helpful to your community mm-hmm. in getting that figured out and understanding, okay, if I'm helpful to business owners on this topic, that's cool. But then how does that building or how then if I build a community around that point of view or that area of expertise, how does that then tie into Hollywood branded? How does that then tie into a course that I'm going to launch or building an email list or whatever? How does it tie into your core business? Because sometimes I've had conversations with business owners that are like, well, I do this for my core business, you know, some sort of professional service offering, but I would really love to have a podcast on fitness. (laughs) Okay. Um, great. That, that might be like your opus and all that kind of stuff, but, but that's going to be a time suck. And it's also going to suck cash out of your business and it's not monetizable. There's no linkage there. It's a hobby at that point. Right. And, and you know what, if that's your life's work and you're not concerned about monetizing and all of that, then okay, fine. But if you're wanting to do this effort because you hope it builds your business, there has to be that linkage. Right. And, and you've done that really, really well with your show. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So with that, a lot of people are now doing podcasting. You started in 2015. No mm-hmm. one was doing podcasting. I mean, there's a boom that's now happened. Yeah. And how does one actually make sure that you stand out in the crowd and that you're actually going to, you know, best engage your audience as you're doing so? I'm going to sound a little bit like a broken record, but it's about, (laughs) but it, but it is truly about being helpful to your, to your audience from, from the perspective of realizing that it has nothing to do with the host and it has everything to do with 
how the audience is being served and how you're serving actually your guest. Um, And because I think the audiences are getting much more sophisticated and can sniff out fake crap really, really easy. I think the days of like the egotistical host or the narcissistic host or, you know, the bigger than life host, I think there's always going to be some of that. But I think the shows that are doing really well are there. They know exactly who they're there to serve. Not I'm going to create a show that serves every single entrepreneur. No, they know exactly who they're going to serve. They know how they're going to serve that audience. And they recognize that it's not about them at all. And, and they're only there to serve that audience. And it's amazing how cream rises to the top. Right. No, that absolutely makes sense. And I think that people like listening to people that are relatable more mm-hmm. so than those big loud voices who are just personality driven because mm-hmm. that they're loud. They're very loud, but they don't necessarily have realistic step-by-step options and directions and advice and help and guidance, but they're great at telling you that, you know, you're doing everything wrong. (laughs) Yes. You podcast daily. I podcast weekly. Hmm. Is there a magic number of times that you need to be podcasting to actually grow an audience and have engagement and what is that threshold in order to have that constant listener base? Uh, you're actually a great example for your audience. One, one time a week uh, is, is the minimum, in my opinion. You know, just, just like you know, a primetime television show or whatever, it's typically once a week, right, at a predictable day and time. Because so, your audience needs to know, so you're not a moving target. So they know you come out you know, every Wednesday at 4 o'clock in the morning or you know, whatever it is. Anyway, so one day a week is ideal. Uh, at a at a at a specific day and time, so that your audience can depend on when it's available. Okay. Um, you know, we doing fail bar- on the time. We totally fail on the time part. We're like, we got it on Wednesday. Is it before midnight? Yes. Is it after five a.m.? Yes. So we can work on that. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. So now, uh, with, with that said, I certainly do not do not have the idea that, that there are, you know, our listeners, our subscribers are, are sitting by their phones and waiting for, you know, Wednesday at four o'clock in the morning, central time. Oh, goody. The Onward Nation episode, the latest one is available now. So that, that's not what I mean. But if, if, but if you're on Wednesday and all of a sudden it becomes Thursday and then it became a Tuesday and all of that, that, that's, that would not be ideal. No, that absolutely makes sense. So you launch a podcast you're, and you're all gung-ho and you put all the pieces together and you're like, yes, I've gotten the first, the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, however many, done. And maybe you're not getting an audience that's actually listening or picking hmm. up. How do you fine tune it? How do you actually build that audience? And is there a point that you've gotten a dozen down, two dozen down, a hundred that you need to say, oh, maybe we should do a new direction and refine what we've been doing a little bit or just start over? Uh, great question. Um, by the way, most people, or this might be a, a stat that your audience doesn't, doesn't know. Uh, most people quit at seven. Okay. Uh, it's called pod fading. It's kind of like the, uh, the equivalent of the holiday gym membership uh, a la podcasting. Uh, it's like, oh, geez, I don't have a million downloads a month. I'm going to quit because this doesn't work. Right. 
Um, so just to kind of, you know, have your audience like buckle in and, and get prepared is that podcasting is absolutely without a doubt a long game. It does take time to build an audience unless somebody's putting a media spend behind it to amplify it. Right. Um, in my opinion, one of the best ways to grow an audience from scratch. And, and we did this with onward just because we sort of just did it. It wasn't because we thought that this would be the right thing to do, whatever, um, is we made sure that it was really easy for our guests to share their episodes. Okay. And that the content was so focused on them that they would want to. And so, you know, we created Facebook campaigns, LinkedIn campaigns, Twitter campaigns. We created all of that. We tagged our guests in that content. And all of a sudden we started seeing shares, comments, likes, distribution. I'm like, holy bananas. How in the world are we in 50 countries already? Right. And, and it was because it's like, oh, well, geez, in, in our first 10 guests, we had two people from Germany and then all of a sudden from Australia. And, and it just, it just grew, but it's because our guests were the driving force behind it. So be a good host, focus on your guests' smarts, create social campaigns around your guests' smart, and then make it really easy for them to share that stuff, and they will. Okay. And so with creating social campaigns, you know, there's mm -hmm. many ways to go about it. But when you're saying this, you're advising create a social campaign. Are you advising boosting it, putting dollars behind it, doing anything mm -hmm. along those lines, or just literally word of mouth and let the guest help share it out? If you, okay, so investing in it or boosting it, mm -hmm. does that put gasoline on great content? Of course, right? So if a business owner has budget and they can, you know, amplify that content, um, then, you know, phenomenal, more, more power to them. Most business owners don't. Most business owners, if they're trying to get, like getting a podcast created takes so much time and effort and just the wherewithal to get it across the finish right. line or the launch line, that the thought of, oh, now I'm going to put a couple grand, you know, behind a Facebook campaign, they just don't have the time, space, capacity, just the mental, whatever to do that or, or even the budget. Right. So, so, I, so I think it's about, in, in my opinion, even though there's so much pressure on the lack of organic traffic through social today, it's getting really, really smart around highlighting your guests' smarts so that they will then become essentially your brand advocates and, and, and share it. But recognizing that can be a, a long game. That's, that's not like, you know, 30 days and, and you're getting a million downloads. Sure. I mean, even with, when we started blogging, I started blogging for our agency back in 2012. I got you beat by three years on your podcast. Awesome. Yeah. And, you know, we have, you know, 900, a thousand blogs out there now. Holy bananas. Seriously? Holy bananas to the man who has 827 podcasts, but okay. <laughs> you know, and we started once a week, um, you know, then we added a second and then we added a third and, you know, we grew from there and then we repurposed one to try to keep it fresh. But that audience, when I go back and I look at the analytics and that's what's yeah. kept me going as far as podcasting and, you know, you're our, our 105th podcast, awesome. uh, woohoo! but what's kept me going all of this last year, because we started last March, it's not even been a full year yet. Actually, no, it's been a year and a half. I am totally lying. It's been a year. We're going on two years of podcasting this next March. Okay. Life goes fast. <laughs> but with that, going back to thinking about the blogs and the analytics, I mean, we had no one listening to 
not listening, reading our blogs at first. And then over time, the jumps were incredible up to the tens of thousands. And, you know, it, it wasn't an overnight. And so that's kept me having the faith that knowing that if you're producing content, that's good. And you're finding other ways that you can leverage it, such as when we have sales calls and are talking to a new uh, potential client or an actual client, we can give them additional valuable information and looking at this in different ways of how to use it, which has made this podcast you know, valuable to us to do versus saying, oh, overnight, we're going to see, you know, we're going to make $500,000 and we're going to do all of this. I'm excited for the day that a client calls you and says, hey, I've been listening to your show for a while now. And, and I think you're on point and you're so aligned with how I think about marketing and, 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 and wanting to do it right and avoid the mistakes. But, and you know what, I, I've, I've been a reader of your blog for a while. In fact, I started with your blog and then I realized you had a show. And so I've been listening to both. And give me your take on this whole own media thing and voice. And because you're doing it really, really well, Stacy. So like, could you do that for me? Yes. And, and at some point, it's going to be like, absolutely, because you are the, you're the personification. You're the embodiment of that. You're yeah. like you know, living that already. And, and at some point, or maybe it's already happened and, and I just don't know, but where clients are going to say, yeah, I want to take your model and now put that into my business. Sure. And for our blogs, that's absolutely what has happened. I mean, our blogs bring us, we don't do really outbound sales, which we need to do, but you know, we get qualified calls in based off of what people read and who follow, or, you know, even if we talk with someone um, and then six months later, the normally in the sales cycle have fallen off, but they're still every Monday getting our blog newsletter. So they come back and they're like, oh, I've been reading this and this new blog that you just did. Oh, we just had this meeting and it, it, it's really relevant. And yeah, we'd like to do this now. And I have this budget. And so we're not finding ourselves having to be on the call on that first new business approach and explaining what we do, what our services are. People know. We're already qualified. So we can get and cut to the chase of what does the brand actually need help with so that we can find out why we can help them. And I know podcasts do will do probably, quite frankly, a better job of that than just even a blog that you're reading because you have more of an emotional connection, I think, to a voice mm-hmm. and having that tangible um, uh, experience versus just reading it. And so that's why blogs uh, are so great, but podcasts to me, the potential is so powerful. Agreed. So you're, you're, you're such a um, walking litmus test or example for your audience. Mm-hmm. And because like you're investing in the creation of this body of work and that impacts your business development and that, and that's industry agnostic, no matter what business owner or, or excuse me, what business and owner is in, it's being able to pay attention to what it is that you're doing. And because it's, it's written content, it's audio content, it's your thought leadership on a consistent basis. You've built an audience around it. Business owners in any industry can be taking that page out of that playbook and putting it into practice. No, a hundred percent agree. And that's why I wanted you on today. (laughs) So, okay. So we're talking about, you know, you mentioned time. Um, What about, 
costs and monetization. You know, I've mm-hmm. said that we've gotten clients from this and, you know, blogging at least, and I think podcasting and more so in the future, but how can people recoup costs and monetize or, you know, really should they be looking at podcasting like we've been talking about as a relationship builder tool? I, I think that somebody, well, a business owner going down this path really ought to think about monetization before they start creating content. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I say that is because let's go back to your Trojan horse example. If, if somebody says, you know what, I, I do think that I could do that uh, where I could have Sarah Jones on the show. Uh, and then I could, you know, have a conversation with Sarah. And then um, that's funny. I just realized I used your last name as an example. I talk about Sarah Jones all the time. I think a lot of people <laughs> use Jones as the last as an example. That's hilarious. Like, oh, I'm Jones. like, wait a minute. <laughs> anyway. Um, so it's, it's about creating a dream 25 and, and, and not letting the Trojan horse happen by happenstance. Right. So that that's a monetization strategy. Trojan horse aligned with your dream 25 prospects, the companies you most want to be doing business with, but you don't have an at bat. You don't have an in with Sarah yet because she doesn't even know who you are, sure. but as a, you know, right. So Trojan horse can help with that. And that's like a direct sale to a prospective client. So that's one piece of monetization. The, the next piece is sponsorship. And we're seeing sponsorships anywhere from 12 to, I don't know, 12 is a weird number, but 12 to $40,000 where a third-party brand is going to say, yes, uh, Stacy, I really like the audience that you've built around that. I want to give you, you know, $30,000 to put my brand on your show uh, as the presenting sponsor. Awesome. Uh, so, so that's another piece. Then it's also taking the content itself and recognizing that, that all of that content represents individual properties. So in your case, the blog is a property. That blog is sponsorable to somebody or from somebody. Mm-hmm. The, the newsletter is a property, and that could be sponsored. The podcast, a property, could be sponsored. YouTube channel, property, sponsored. Ebook, let's say you take the, the first you know, 20 guests out of your show, create an ebook around that, sell that. One of our clients sold it for $12,000 wow. sponsoring an ebook. Wow. Right? right. So you've, you've taken your content and, and created a course. Right. around how to be good at influence marketing. Well, of course you've got expertise on that. So you let your podcast create the course content. Now that's monetizable, sure. right? So it's just getting strategic about how all the pieces can be sliced and diced and thinking, okay, would this be helpful to which brands? And then how do I package that up to be helpful to them and sell it? Right. Okay. Well, that's that answer on how you monetize. <laughs> Okay. So when you're thinking about how to get brands, other brands to come in and sponsor your podcast, is it, what's the best way to approach that? Is it to make a list? Is it to dial for dollars? Is it to Hmm. start posting out madly on social media who wants to sponsor me? So how would someone go about that the best way? What I've seen all of those approaches and the way that I think that business owners can be the most successful is by thinking about, so again, if they've, if they've built a community or what we like to call the nation of true fans, if they built a nation of true fans around their point of view, around their thought leadership and so forth, and then that show is connected back into their business. So there's that, that direct connection. Then I think it's okay. 
me as the business owner, what third-party brands, services, companies, and whatever do we use as a business? Right. Is it QuickBooks? Is it Chase? Is it American Airlines? Is it Marriott? Is it, you know, whatever. And then think, okay, would a QuickBooks or would a Chase or, um, you know, Capital One, Spark Card, would they also want to reach my audience? And would that be valuable to them? And would that be helpful to the audience? If the answer is yes, approach them. If okay. it's no, and it feels weird, then then don't. But that's how getting strategic about the list can be helpful early on in the process and then and then go sell. And how many listeners do you think you need before you decide to go out and do this? That's a, that's an excellent question because in in my opinion, it's less about listeners and more about kind of stability of the show, meaning that again, people quit at seven. Right. So I would not go out at episode three and say, do I have a sponsorship opportunity for you? <laughs> right? Because you don't have enough traction yet. And, and so what we suggest to our clients is, you know what, when you get around episode 50, that's like really legit. That's like really stable. That's like, you know, going to a brand and say, Hey, I got 50. That's a good body of work. Right. So then it's less about, Oh, I've got, you know, 27 million downloads and more about, I have a niche audience. This is what we know about them. Mm -hmm. This is my connection with them from an email list, open rate, click through rate, that kind of stuff. And it's been our experience is less about numbers and more about relationship than anything. Right. Fair enough. So, yeah. Um, one of our clients, super, super niche, less than a thousand downloads a month, sold a six figure sponsorship deal. Six figures with less than a thousand listeners per podcast or per month? Per, per month. Per month. So right. four Because podcasts, they're the white listeners. Four podcasts a month, probably. I'm assuming they're not doing it daily. Right. So yep. averaging yep. 250, 250, 250, right. not right. thousand, not hundreds right. of thousands, 250 right. are getting six figures yep. for a 12 month deal. Yep. That's nuts. That's crazy. That's fantastic. It is. Um, and fellow AMI uh, agency owner, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so Again, it it is not about numbers. It is about having the right people in the room, so to speak. Sure, the right buyers. Exactly. That's that's what it is about, is about degree of relationship. And then how can you take that brand and put them into the podcast content, have them as guests on the show? How can you have them at live events and they be the presenting sponsor to the events? Can they sponsor a webinar? Can they sponsor an ebook? And really understanding all of these pieces of content that come off the cornerstone of the episode. Sure. That can really give that brand. And then, and then how can you help the brand create content that they can then use with their customers? Because they're not creating that stuff. Right. It's more owned content that they can repurpose. Exactly. The same things that we do with social influencers because podcasts are influencers. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then how does your team decide which brand is the right partner? I I think it, I think that really comes down to like a values conversation. Okay. In my opinion. Like, is the brand going to try to hijack the content? Do, are are they actually a product or service that, that you use and you, and you like them? 
again, because you are going to be then the conduit to your community. Mm-hmm. Your community at first is going to be like, well, okay, you know, Stacy said such and such a company, and I'm going to take a look at that company. If they have a bad experience, they don't like that company anymore, and then they start to question you. Right. So, so it's about really making sure that you're selecting the right company, not because of dollars, but because of how they're going to treat your community. And I think that's a values conversation. Right. Moving into the meat of what I love talking about, (laughs) everything we've talked about is fantastic. Let's talk about challenges and mistakes and doing it right. What are some of the biggest challenges you've had to deal with when working with a brand or agency to create their podcast? the the biggest challenge is is really fear and the imposter syndrome yeah. and, and and what i mean by that is i've i've sat across the table from so many you know clients and or i shouldn't say clients prospects at that at that point who have said yes and and then when it actually came down came down to recording the imposter syndrome rears his ugly head and then they can't get the recordings done right? J- just because of fear. And, and, and they'll say, Oh, it's my schedule. It's this, it's but it's like, Oh, for Pete's sake, if Drew McClellan can be on 200 planes a year and get the episodes done with excellence, I, I don't, I don't want to hear the excuses that you have too compressed of a schedule. Um, so, so that, that's the first thing is the right. imposter syndrome. Then, then also if their monetization strategy is, is Trojan horse, not being able to pick up the phone and, and call Sarah and say what I shared with you, you know, your audience 15 minutes ago, being unwilling to do that and push it forward and then saying the podcast didn't generate any revenue. So, so those are the, in, in my experience, been the two biggest mistakes, all the technical stuff and all of that, that's easy to get over, but having somebody really fully confident in their point of view and their area of expertise and how they add value is a stumbling block for, for a lot of people. And I think with the imposter, um, the imposter, what do you call it? Imposter syndrome. syndrome. I feel that that is definite in the interview series as we've moved over to that. And, you know, it's more so, wait, you know, I'm going to ask people to be on my podcast and, and, you know, it's, am I a big enough deal to <laughs> have them want to do that? And I know our numbers and I know it's worthwhile for people to come on and I, I get that, but it's still getting in your head. And then doing my solo podcasts, you're sitting there and you're talking and you're chatting. And then all of a sudden you get these thoughts of, wait, is, is what I have to say valuable to anyone? Wait, what am I doing? Who's going to listen to this? This is all a crock of baloney, right? Except that's not what I say. And it's real. I mean, imposter syndrome is absolutely something that it's a self-confidence issue that just pops up when you, even if you know you're a hundred podcasts in, you can still have things just kind of surprise you. And that confidence level, just because you might not be having a rock solid day, shake you a little bit. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. So again, for somebody to be successful at this, it really, in, in that comes down to being confident in their point of view, confident in their thought leadership, really understanding how they're going to add value and to who, and, and to who that they don't want in the community either, right? Like who they can really serve and how they'll serve those people. And then, and then it just takes time. It just takes practice. It sure. just takes experience. And eventually that stuff will fade if the person has the discipline, as you have demonstrated, 
that they have the discipline to work through those challenges because they know that on the other side of it, some really cool stuff can happen. Sure. So when you're working with, again, a brand or an agency and helping them with a podcast, are there any asks, like things that they just ask you that you're just like, we're not doing that. We're no, I'm running out the door, not a partner for me. Well, so I, I I haven't had anybody ask me something where I've wanted to run out the door, but, but, but sometimes um, the ask is because we're so systematized. And so a client will say, you know, I want to create a custom intro and a monologue for every single episode. And then I want to be able to edit in like little editorialized comments, like the guest says something. And then I come in and say, now what you heard from Stacy there is, and then we'll roll with the rest of the interview. And I'm like, oh, like NPR, exactly like NPR. Like I love Planet Money. Could I have a Planet Money show? Um, well, you know that Planet Money has a staff of 12 people and an operating budget of $2 million. So no. Um, so, so that's, that's, that's the only sort of like conflict sometimes is because I think sometimes the eyes are a little bit bigger than the, the stomach and or wallet because sure. planet money has been super successful. They've invested millions of dollars. Right. Um, so, so I think that's probably the only thing. Okay. And then are there any agencies or brands with podcasts that you think are doing it right? That are just rock solid. You think they have it dialed in and they're a go-go going besides of course, Onward Nation, because you all are doing it right. Well, let me tell you about this Hollywood branded. Oh, look at that one. Yeah. Uh, so, cause she has it dialed in. Let me tell you. Um, so, uh, some, some other agencies that I think are, are, are really rocking it. Um, Nicole Mahoney, uh, from break the ice media. I know uh, Nicole. She's great. Oh, she's fantastic. Uh, Chad Hendricks, um, you know, is really got a great show serving, um, the recruit and training or recruit and retention, excuse me, for, for truck driving. Uh, and, and his agency is totally aligned with that. Vera Fisher has an incredible show around systems, uh, Drew, of course, uh, build a better agency. Um, so there's there's a variety of agencies um, that are creating this great content that is on the front end. It's kind of like the tip of the spear for the agency, and it's so so smart. Yeah, and when I've talked with I mean, some of these are fellow um, AMI owners, are the, the agency management group that we're both part of, um, and they are all so happy that they have gone down the road of podcasting. I've been on Nicole's podcast, you know, it's dialed in. She's seeing results and, you know, I know Drew seeing results from podcasts and leveraging that and getting partnerships and sponsorships and probably making a mint. Uh, But, you know, this does work and that's what is so fantastic about podcast marketing is that, brand agency owners and brands who are targeting that B2B market have a phenomenal opportunity here as well as B2C brands. Very well said. Last question for you. Do you have any words of caution to a brand or agency who's considering creating a podcast? I think my, so great final question. Um, So I I think my caution would be around, um, around the monetization strategy. Because when an owner doesn't see their weekly content driving results for them in the form of dollars, Mm -hmm. it starts to become a real chore. 
Um, all of a sudden they don't want to serve that community anymore because really what they're after were the dollars. And so then they become short-term sighted and they should be long-term view. Um, excuse me. So getting that really, really clear mm -hmm. is critical because it has everything to do with the stability of the show. Well, with that, thank you so much, Stephen. If you are interested in podcasting, I cannot recommend highly enough Stephen's book, which you can get on Amazon, Profitable Podcasting, Grow Your Business, Expand Your Platform, and Build a Nation of True Fans. Again, Stephen, thank you so much for being on here today. Thank you very much. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Okay, bye.
So the O is silent. It's Westner. Westner. Yep. Just Westner. Yeah. So why did they put that O in? It screwed up everyone for you since childhood. I know. Stupid Germans. Seriously, I have heard so many creative variations. It's Wozner, Woesner, Wozner, Wiesner. Uh, my favorite is Wussner. I'm like, seriously, how did you put a U in there? <laughs> I, I'd have been stunned if you got it right. Nobody ever gets it right. Well, I read, I, I was listening to you or I read something recently where you like phonetically did it. So, but then I couldn't remember where I saw it or heard it. And so <laughs> I couldn't do anything about that. <laughs> yep. No, no. Oh, silent. Oh, I've, I've thought about changing it many times. Well, you shouldn't change it, but you should yeah. change it. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Thanks for sort of not giving me a complex there. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, if you just want to make it easier for kids, your wife, you know, things right. like that. And, and for whatever reason, also that that's, that's a, a process that I go through on every single interview. I double check it because for whatever reason, zoom forgets. Zoom yeah. gets weird. And, and so I always have to check the settings because I'm, I'm constantly resetting it. Well, last time I forgot to actually, on Tuesday, close my Outlook. And so in the middle of someone actually saying something that was great, it started going bing, 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 with all the emails that were coming in. That was awesome, too. In Zoom, and I've never had an issue with Skype one time in Zoom where we've had, it sounded like alien language. Um, but but that, that's that's the only time it's ever happened, just once. I'm sure you published it. 